Hey friend, and welcome back to the Lean In Podcast. This week, I am so excited for you to hear an episode that I recorded recently with a woman named Uma Naralkar. I was introduced to Uma by a friend of mine named Yasna, and Yasna is one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And so I don't know if you have anybody like that in your life, but when they refer someone to you, when they connect you with someone, you absolutely know that that person they're connecting you to is going to bring such amazing value to whatever conversation you have. Exactly what happened in this podcast recording that I'm going to play for you between Uma and I. So a little bit of background on Uma, she is a nutritionist, she specializes in intuitive eating, intermittent fasting, mindset, gut health. She actually has a bachelor's degree in microbiology, which I think is just totally jamming, but we didn't talk about any microbiology on the podcast. In fact, a lot of what you're going to hear talks about transitions, specifically talking about transitioning from a space of focusing on athletics, being very competitive, to maybe taking a step away and moving to a different phase of your life where competition in athletics isn't as important. We talk a lot about what it means for your body to change during those times. When are you prepared to make those changes? What do those transitions feel like? And how can you be best prepared to deal with them when they come so that you're still happy and you're still thriving and you can still feel confident in yourself even though you're stepping away from a past version of yourself, probably from something that you've been doing for a long time. So I'm really excited to get this started just as a heads up. Uma was talking and she didn't even know we were recording and I just loved what she was telling me about. So I started recording and the podcast was totally recorded off the cuff. I don't even know that she knew that we were recording until about 20 minutes into it. So this is an honest conversation between me and her and it all starts out with her talking about her relationship with food when she was an athlete, and then what that transition looked like once she stepped out of working out as much and stepped into the workforce. So get ready to jump right into the middle of her having this conversation, and I hope that you find so much value in what you're about to hear. I'll give it a countdown. Three, two, one, go right i'm pretty Mm -hmm. uh, active and uh, exercise is a big part of uh, who i am and years ago when i was in my 20s i kind of felt like because i was younger and i was working out so much um i was doing a hit type of workouts i was strength training and i was um running Uh, i ran a couple of marathons and i felt like food was you know it was like I could eat anything I could get away with eating anything so it was almost the opposite of being restricted because I literally did not have to worry about how many calories I'm taking in because of the amount I was burning and then obviously I entered my 30s and we can talk about this uh, in in the podcast but then I got a full-time job and I was you know I didn't have that much time to just work out um, and I was also doing a corporate job so it came it, I, I didn't have time to work out but my lifestyle changed as well so I wasn't sleeping that well I was eating what I could there was a lot of drinking and socializing and I literally 
continued eating the way I did before without keeping up with the physical activity. And I put on so much weight Mm -hmm. with that. And that's when my whole yo-yo dieting and the whole struggle, because I just didn't know that I could have like an intuitive relationship with food. And it wouldn't, it was, it felt so difficult at that time. It was such a challenge for me that I didn't even want to try it. It was almost like, this, I, I can't do it because I've never really, um, you know, thought of food as what I could, as the the thing that I could use to be healthy. It was always exercise. Mm. So I think, yeah, a part of my journey was really understanding how big of an impact food plays, uh, you know, in health and really backing up. And now I'm almost 40. I'm actually going to be 40 next year. And I still exercise, but it's so much more about like what it does to my mind as against that insane amount of physical activity just so that I can burn the calories mm-hmm. um, and paying more attention to uh, the connection between, you know, what you're thinking and how it can influence your choices uh, when it comes to food. But yeah, that, I mean, I went through it personally, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that it's like, there are two sides to the coin when it comes to athletes and food, you know, you have the athletes who have never really had to think about anything and what they're eating. And then they go into post competitive or post athletic life, kind of like you said, and, and they end up realizing that like, Oh, I actually need to pay attention to what I eat or else, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to gain weight. Yeah, and then there's so much guilt and there's so much mm-hmm. stress around it that I think, I honestly feel like whether you're an athlete or whether you are, let's say, postpartum, you've had a baby, right? And you're postpartum uh, or you're perimenopausal, right? All these are transitions in life, right? You're going mm-hmm. through a shift in uh, the way your body typically functioned and when you go through that you kind of you're not in that space where you can eat intuitively right because you are flooded with guilt and your hormones are changing and uh, the things that work for you traditionally um, they're not working anymore right so before that intuitive eating piece comes in it is really important I feel this is like the biggest thing I talk about with my clients and with everyone is that, you know, uh, just having fun, being a part of a community, um, enjoying your food, laughing um, is equally as important for your health as all that exercise and, you know, the phase when you were eating restrictively for your when you were competing is they're equally as important, right? So when you back off and think about your food or whatever you're doing, your exercise, your lifestyle uh, from the point of view of health as against just, um, you know, oh my God, what am I doing? Am I going to put on weight? Am I going to lose weight? Am I going to fit into this dress size? Uh, You know, the external part of it, when you switch that to health or what's going on internally in your body, then you can actually back up and start looking at food intuitively. And I'll tell you honestly, when you're operating from that space, um, you know what to eat and you know when to stop like what when and how much to eat is a part of who we are as humans right Uh, there's no diet for like animals right there's no diet for uh, any any other species other than humans right so they they know what to eat when to stop and what to not eat and so do we Um, it's in us it's a part of us being human it's a part of our species it's just we we never get there because it's so clouded with all the other stuff 
uh, there's emotions, there's guilt, um, there's all these stories, obviously, from our past and the, the fact that whatever worked for us um, in the past is not working for us anymore, right? And this is whether you were an athlete and whether you were competing and you're not competing, whether you were a woman who, you know, didn't have kids and now you have two kids or whether you're just a woman who's entering her 40s and 50s where you're going to go through a natural transition, Um in your hormones, in your metabolism, uh, in your digestion. So just acknowledging that. And if once you separate the physicality and uh, bring in the mindset and think about it from the point of view of health as against just, oh my gosh, now I'm putting on more fat or I'm physically looking different. I think then you create that space to eat intuitively. And that's when it all falls in place. Like, you know, then you can actually look at food from a different point of view and not think about it as such a big, um, like a boulder, right, on your chest. Um, so that, I think, is a big part of how I work with my clients as well. Yeah, I think that's what can be so hard, though, in a society that is so hyper-focused on how you look, like especially with the rise in social media and it feels like a lot of people are looking at you like stepping away, yeah, stepping away from the physicality, you know, to be able. You know, it's it's so interesting that you said that though, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, there has been this amazing, and I'm so excited about a trend where women. Uh, of all ages, especially like women in the 30s, 40s and 50s are like showing their real bodies. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that? Where, you know, it's okay to just sit and have a little bulge, you know, in your tummy. Or it's okay to not have that perfect, you know, body with like your abs popping out all the time. And we are still far away from, you know, everyone accepting that as the norm. But I feel like there is a transition, you know, there is a shift. And um, I think it really comes down to like one person at a time, right? And especially, I don't know if you noticed this, but like men in my life, especially, right? Uh, I was, I grew up in India, and I came here in my uh, 20s uh, or actually my when I was 20 um, and men looked at women uh, or even in this country very like objectively right like mm-hmm. how is she looking up and I feel like there's a change there's a shift in that that's happening and all of us it's like we all need to do it at a personal level and it starts with us right it starts with us accepting who we are, how our body is changing. And by no means do I think it's okay to, uh, you know, be obese or to have like a bad BMI or to have a lot of visceral fat. That's a whole different conversation because, again, your health really uh, does get influenced by um, your body fat percentage. And it's important Mm -hmm. to pay attention to that, right? But being perfect all the time, you know, and social media has such a huge, huge role to play in that. And, you know, I have a client, she's 16, or she's just turned 16. And there's so much pressure, even at that level in in high school, you know, to be perfect, to look perfect, to, um, you know, not have a little fat, like coming out of your belly or have Mm -hmm. like the perfect. And um, it's, it can't change like immediately, but the change has to come from each and every one of us, right? Mm -hmm. It has to come from what you put out out there, what I put out there and what we are saying is acceptable and okay and what's not. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just have to say like this, this little shift that's happening. Um, uh, I, I just feel, I, I mean, I, I'm absolutely in love with like those women and those accounts where they're just showing off their real bodies. They lose skin. You know, it's just your body changes after you have kids. Your body changes when you're not competing. Uh, your body changes in your 40s and 50s. And it's beautiful. And it is just a very small part of the big equation, which is your health, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's from, and it is hard. It's hard and it's something that all of us need to really step into and change. Yeah, so how do you, when you, you know, you're working with clients and I think, you know, something that I personally face because I'm still competing, right? Like I'm still yes. pushing because I love it. I'm like, I don't want to give it up, but I know that there will come a day, be it five years, 10 years, 15 years, whenever it is that like, I probably won't have such a competition focus anymore. And the idea Mm -hmm. of making that transition, especially Mm -hmm. when competing has been such a huge part of my identity. And with that comes, you know, the body that I have and its capabilities, like that changing, it's so scary, right? So it is scary. It's extremely scary. It's and again, I'm using this analogy again and again. It's the same concept of women who are, um, you know, they're trying to conceive, right? And yep. so there's one part where it's like, oh, I want to have a baby. I want to start a family, and that horrible fear uh, of my whole body is just going to change forever. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be the same, right? Um, and the way I look at it is that it will happen. Okay, it'll happen, it'll come to you. And when you're going through that transition, you won't feel it as much as you're feeling it right now. Because guess what, you're not ready, you're not there yet. Okay, mm-hmm. so when it happens, when you when you go through it, it's that's the reason why you're pregnant for nine months, correct? So similarly, <laughs> when you're going through any transition in your life, I just think that it, it it's not like you push a button and boom, it's over, right? Most likely, what will happen is that you're going to slow down before you're going to end this phase of your life. And when you're slowing down, you're going to look at things differently. And things are going to change gradually. It's not going to be like a today I'm competing from tomorrow I'm done. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be a slow transition. The thing that plays the most important role in making that transition as smooth as possible is what you're doing to make it as smooth as possible. So I'm talking about all the mindset work, right? So simple things like, you know, your daily meditation. And I know it sounds so far off from competing and being athletic. And I was like that too, because uh, in my teens and in my early 20s, I used to model. And I was on magazines and I used to ramp model. And the way I looked was a big part of uh, that. Uh, And so it was very restrictive, right? The way I was eating and um Uh, everything that I had to do, I had to work out. And uh, when I went through that transition and kind of gave up that career and moved into another one, um, just my mindset, uh, just sitting down in that meditation and just allowing your thoughts to flow. And just, I think that's where most of the internal work happens. Also externalizing it, right? Journaling things and writing down how you're feeling today and how your thoughts today are different uh, from your thoughts tomorrow. Because it's a process. It's going to keep evolving and just guiding yourself through it. Um, so just the mindset part and having that solid foundation. It might not be meditation for you. For you, it might be something else. Maybe it's yoga. Um, you know, maybe it is uh, just music and sitting in it. But going through it one step at a time as against like, you know, boom, from tomorrow, like I'm not never doing this again. 
I think that that's an important piece as well. Yeah, I love how you pointed that out because I never really, when you said you're feeling you'll you're feeling it more now than you will then, and I don't know. I feel like that's such a powerful line. It's 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 true that you're you think of it as this big drastic change that's going to happen, but it's sort of like when it does happen, that's when you're ready for it, and that's you know that's when the universe is bringing that sort of period of time to you. Uh, I don't know. I think there's something really like beautiful about that thought that I've never really digested before. Yeah, I honestly, I just feel like everything that happens, right? And even when we are going through tough situations, which all of us will go through multiple times in our life, you know, when you're in it, it's, it's not fun. It's never fun, but it's always preparing you for something else that's coming, right? So when you are in at point A and when you're thinking of point B, it may seem like it's this big thing that you're going to go through uh, but by the time you get there you're prepared for it and you're never ever going to be offered anything that you're not prepared for it, it just that's the way life works you're always going to be ready for it and any transition when you're going through any transition it's, it's, there's always going to be some resistance in the beginning right but when you just dip into it when you let go and when you dip into it it's going to just flow it is going to flow and that's when I say that that mind that mindset piece or just training your mind um, to be uh, just accepting and open to whatever comes in front of you is huge. It's really, really important. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I think it's it's so true. Um, I'm thinking about because, you know, we're, we're talking about how transitions will come to you, you know, when they're meant to happen and being open to that. When athletes are transitioning from athletics to not competing, right, or maybe competing mm-hmm. less, um, I don't know. I guess, like, what what advice do you have to give from people who are I, – I know I'm stumbling over my words. I feel like it's different from always just being, quote, unquote, fit – and then getting older and that gradual weight change, like going from a place where maybe you're an elite athlete, where your body is like meant to perform, mm-hmm. right? And and you do have the sculpted abs because that's what it took to perform at your best. And then to transition into not competing after that. Like, I feel like it is such a big transition and such a big change, maybe as opposed to just like the gradual aging that maybe non-athletes go through. Yeah, it's um, huge. Yeah. It's huge. Um, I, I also feel like, you know, the when you're an athlete, it's it's not just about how you're physically looking, but your entire life is so micromanaged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you're eating, how much you're training, uh, your social life, everything is pretty micromanaged because that's the way you need to be to perform. And I think it's amazing. I think to all the athletes out there, that is amazing because not everyone can do that, right? You have to have a certain level of discipline and really absolutely love what you're doing to be in that zone. So I think that's amazing. And of course, that's not going to be forever. And that's amazing as well. Because here's the deal. I think that in your life, you need both, right? And your phase two, which might be slower, your body might be going through 
major transformation, minor transformation. Um, so will everything else. But I think that is a necessary part to thrive as well. And I don't know if you know about these blue zones in the world. Uh, I think there's seven or eight blue zones like all over the world, literally, right? And there's like then California and Japan and Italy and like random places all over the world. There's these pockets where people are living longer and uh, they are living uh, their healthy lifespan, which is the amount of years they're living a disease-free life is just ridiculously higher than anywhere else in the world. And so a lot of scientists and researchers have been um, observing them and their lifestyle. And um, it's very interesting because they go through the, you know, these transitions of life. And in the last, I think they live, they've been living over 100 years, right? So in wow. the last 30 or 40 years, of their life uh, they are surrounded right they're surrounded by um, people who they love um, they are socializing they are cooking together and they are just embracing um, their community and uh, why I'm talking about this is that just think of it as yin and yang or uh, let's say two seasons of life right so once you're done with the summer let's say which is the athletic phase there has to be the winter where you are cuddling and you are you know just uh, being a little more slow uh, and you are embracing community and you're embracing love because they are two sides of the same coin and you literally need them for longevity and I do understand that when it comes to athletics it's definitely more um, intense right that transition it's not like oh it's just regular aging it's definitely more intense but it's still necessary in fact I think it's more necessary because of the amount of uh, stress that, um, you know, just being in that lifestyle causes on um, your body as well as your mind. So just embracing it and understanding that it's absolutely 100% essential, um, you know, for health and longevity. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, what you said about athletes' lives being really micromanaged is so true. Um, and I feel like, it's stressful, even though you probably don't notice that it's stressful because you're, I don't know, like, it doesn't feel like there's as much flow to life because you are on such mm -hmm. a, a rigid schedule, such a rigid, maybe meal plan. Um, mm -hmm. Like, what do you, what do you, not what do you think, but like, you know, what do you have to share about slowing down? I think even, even talking if we're not talking to athletes, even talking to maybe people who have had corporate jobs that are just mm -hmm. like always mm -hmm. on the go and very rigid, you think about longevity and you think we talk a lot in the entrepreneur community about being willing to slow down. Um, yeah. So first off about the stress element, um, yeah. so it's when you are exercising, right? Let's say you just you're just a regular person going to the gym. You go to the gym. You lift weights. You run. Whatever it is that you're doing, um, you that's basically that stress. You're stressing your body at that point of time. It's producing more cortisol than normal. Your uh, sympathetic nervous system kicks in because it's it's stressful, right? So that, mm -hmm. that that's good stress because then you come out of it and your body repairs, right? And then you're not in stress anymore. Uh, when you're an athlete, you're doing that at a much, much, much more intense level. So you are definitely under chronic stress. And it's not something that you're, it's not like, oh my, it's not the stress that you 
Prob- it's not probably the same stress that you feel when you're like, let's say, going to speak in front of a big audience or, you know, you have a big exam or something. That's that's acute stress. But when you are training for long periods of time, even restrictive eating, uh, you know, will cause a little bit of autophagy, uh, which is a stressor. Right. So all these um, elements, just because of the nature of uh, that lifestyle, uh, they're going to cause stress. Uh, yes, there are stresses in normal lifestyles as well. And yes, in corporate lifestyles as well, depending on what's happening, like maybe there's a job that's like super high stressful, there's bad work environments and things, right? So for anybody, whether you're an athlete, whether you have a corporate job or whatever it is that's going on with you, if you feel like you're under or you're putting your body under chronic stress uh it is important to counterbalance that right because you can't really like get rid of that like if you are competing if you have something you have if you have a goal uh, you're kind of gonna have to maintain that lifestyle you can't just be like oh my body's too stressed let me just like not exercise or whatever you can't you can't really do that so um you need to counterbalance that right which means that you need to figure out ways where you can um de-stress as much as you're stressing and how you do that is a really good question because there's like not one answer to it and there are different ways that different people can do it Um, but whatever works for you you need to create a practice around it right like for me for example um, I am not a very good meditator okay I do meditate for like maybe five or ten minutes every day but I can't just sit and like be in it for an hour and like I don't get up like feeling like a new person I'm Mm -hmm. saying this because my husband does meditate quite a bit and he really enjoys it and gets the most benefit out of it right for me on the other hand I love nature so going out like for a walk in the nature um, or just putting my feelings down on a piece of paper uh, or maybe listening to a podcast can be de-stressing for me right so whatever that looks like for you as an individual is fine but creating a practice around it and being consistent with it which means that okay this I really enjoy and I feel like calms my nerves uh, you know it helps me to sleep better helps me to focus better so I'm going to do it three times a week and I'm going to actually put it in my schedule just like how I put in my workouts and my meals and everything else that I need to do for my athletic lifestyle does that make sense No, it totally makes sense. And I think it's a really important because when I first, when I first started thinking about slowing down, you know, in mindset work for me, it was like, oh, I need to meditate. I need to sit here and be able to sit in silence and I need to quiet my head. And, you know, I still work on that because I still think it's something that you can get better at and is really important. Like I would love to get to a space where I can sit for 30 minutes and like completely clear my mind. but. I find that like walking meditation is better for me personally at the current time, just because that little bit of action um, really helps. And so I, I really like that you, you make it clear that it's whatever works for de-stressing you. Um, Just because I think so many people think it needs to be this one thing. Um, And then when they can't do it, they don't do anything at all. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Especially meditation. I think that there's so much, um, you know, talk about mm-hmm. it. And there's, uh, as soon as, you know, you say mindset or, you know, de-stressing, the first thing that comes to people's mind is meditation. And I mean, I absolutely love it as a tool. And uh, as you said, uh, you can always try and get better at it, right? So there's nothing wrong in sitting in a meditation, even if you sit for five minutes, that's beautiful. And you do not have to declutter your mind. You can let the thoughts come in and go out because I don't think the intention of meditation is like to master it, right? It's more about helping uh, the meditate, uh, using the meditation to sort of help your life. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think the goal is to like be, oh my gosh, like for five minutes, nothing came to my mind. It's all clear. I won. Like that's not the goal. <laughs> um, but that being said, it's hard for some people, including me. And as you said that, you know, different, especially I feel like people who are athletic, right? You're, you, you're moving, you like movement. So why not choose another more um, mellow form of movement? Maybe it's dancing, right? Uh, or maybe it's just going for a walk um, and or maybe it's going for a walk and talk which I love to do sometimes too you're just like you know talking to someone and walking Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are all equally as um, you know great and as effective so yeah do what works for you as long as you can create a routine and make sure it's a part of your lifestyle because it's really not like oh I meditated today and you know I'm gonna do it next month now like you need to really make it a part of your lifestyle and stay consistent with it whatever it is that you choose to do yeah I consistency I feel like is is probably the hardest part when it comes to that I think people I think it's it's so easy to want to jump in like 300% and make these really lofty goals but then you can't maybe keep that that promise you made to yourself that you're going to do this for 10 minutes a day and because you're not doing it daily then eventually it ends up just falling off yeah absolutely that's the same as exercise right like people who mm-hmm. are not athletic people who have like health and fitness goals i work with this all the time, especially now. Uh, January is my most um, busy month because everyone (laughs) wants transformation, right? Everyone wants change. And come March, I have like two clients. Honestly, I'm just being honest. And then in the beginning of summer, it gets busy again because it's the summer holidays. And then again, right before Thanksgiving. And this trend is true for any industry related to health and fitness, all the gyms are busy in January. And, you know, people make, uh, people have goals and expectations that are so far beyond normal, right? You set goals that are not normal. And then when you get off track, you get disappointed. So it's the same with mindset exercises. It's the same with any, even with cooking, right? Like I always tell people, why don't you cook at home? You don't have to do it every day though, right? Don't sign up for that. Like don't cook every day. Do it once a week. Start with once a week. So similarly, you don't have to do your mindset exercise or whatever you choose for your um, de-stressing every day. Maybe do it three times a week. Maybe do it for three minutes as against 10, right? So just goals that are tangible and that fit really well in your lifestyle. Because anything that you need to do uh, that doesn't bring you money, um, uh, anything that you need to do that doesn't bring you money, uh, is something that you're going to have to to easily fit into your lifestyle because mm-hmm. if it is a chore, if it is something that takes too much time and effort, you're going to diss it. I love that. 
Um, I think that's so true and something that I don't know, like people probably don't think of. And honestly, a lot of those, I don't want to say a lot, honestly, like many things that come to health and fitness too can almost seem like they take away more money, right? Mm -hmm. Like a gym membership or if you want to eat healthy and maybe you don't know how to do that on a budget, like eating healthy seems like it costs more money. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a lot of ways, making these healthy choices can almost take a little bit of money away. Um, So if it's taking your money, then even more so it needs to be something uh, that you're able to fit in and that you're going to be able to do consistently. Yeah. So it goes, so I want to tell people that if you commit, if you're committing to a gym, you're putting in money, correct? So are you the kind of person who's going to be more, um, regular because you've already put in the money? Like I, I do that, right? Like Mm -hmm. every month in the beginning of the month, I will, I'll pay my trainer and I will set up my sessions in advance. Okay. I just do it once a week just uh, to mix it up, but I make sure I pay my trainer at the beginning of the month just so that I hold myself accountable, right? That's true. But that being said, I am putting it a, a chunk of money into that, right? And maybe there's someone else out there who finds that too expensive or not just money, but time is money as well, right? So putting mm-hmm. yourself in your car, driving to the gym, whatever, working out for an hour and coming back, that's an investment. So there might be someone else who might find that so intimidating that they don't want to do it at all. So I think that you have to figure out what works for you, what is motivating to you, but make sure that it is doable for whoever you are, right? If you're someone who cannot afford a gym membership, go for a walk, right? Go for a walk, walk for 15 minutes every day that you can do. I'm sure you can do that wherever you are. And if you cannot walk outside, maybe do an online workout. Those are for free as well. Um, So do something that is reasonable within who you are and what your lifestyle and what your goal is, because we are all so different. Mm -hmm. Some people, for some people, putting their money in is motivating. For some people, the money is just too much and they need something else. So I just feel like, again, like you have to figure out a plan that works for you. And then figure out ways to balance it. So even with exercise, I'm sure you know this more than me, that, you know, just strength training is not going to work. You need to do cardio. You need to do flexibility, right? Similarly, uh, with food, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to now, uh, you know, go on this ketogenic diet and um, it's going to work for me. I've never done any diet before, but guess what? From tomorrow, I'm going keto. I think that's extreme in the sense that it's not going to be sustainable for someone who's just starting off, who's never really even, uh, you know, had a clear understanding of what food is and how it serves them. And they're just jumping into the whole, you know, keto wagon. So I think just backing up a little bit and really setting a clear goal, a clear intention, and then figuring out a action plan that is uh, doable for you as an individual, whatever that looks like. Yeah, that's amazing advice. I think too, to add to that is like getting over a little bit of your ego that probably wants to do more. Yeah. And instead do what's within your means, right? Like, oh, I, instead of sitting, it's so easy to sit and be like, well, I wish I could afford to go to LA Fitness. You know, I want to be able to do those machines. I want to be able to lift there. And then instead of doing what's within your means, you're just upset that you can't do more. But yeah. like that, 
there's always going to be something you can do. Right. Yeah. I, I actually had someone reach out to me recently who was like, you know, I used to be an athlete. I used to lift all the time. You know, I'm now I'm using food as like a, a coping mechanism and, but I can't go to the gym. And I was like, but you could do so much that's not at the gym. So much, so much. Yeah. But it's, it's, not it's all or nothing attitude. Yeah. 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 It's a human thing. It's like you, you want to either do it all. You're like, you know, that person who's on the diet at the gym, you know, at the yoga class. And then you're also that person who's like sitting on the couch doing nothing for weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's being able to get over your ego and say like, okay, this at home workout isn't very sexy, but like, it's what I can do. You know, it's what's within my means. It's what I can handle right now and make yeah. happen. Yeah, yep, totally. Like one of the big things that I uh, teach my clients or talk about all the time is you do what you can when you can with what you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, when, and what you have will keep changing. It's going to keep evolving, right? Uh, and uh, that's okay. As long as you're taking some action, you're going to move forward. So just the only thing that I recommend is just don't sit in it because that's awful. Just like sitting in that guilt um, and, you know, sitting in that space where I am so sorry and I can't do anything and I just feel so bad for myself. Like that, that's where people get stuck. Yeah. So what are your, what are your recommendations or tips or tricks for getting out of that space? Because I think it's easy to just be like, don't yeah. be in it, you know, yeah. but yeah. when you're in it, it's hard to get out. I know. And you know what? I was just talking about this on my stories. Um, We went, uh, we were on vacation last week because of the holidays. And I'm sure many people were. And, you know, like we walked a little, but we were, you know, eating all the heavy holiday food and with the kids and family and uh, got back to LA uh, two days ago. And that morning it never rains in LA and we're not used to the cold and it's mm-hmm. exceptionally cooler than normal here and it was pouring rain and I woke up in the morning and I, I literally I had to drag myself out of my um, bed and just even to wake up and have a cup of tea and I was talking to myself and I was telling myself all these stories of why I shouldn't go to the gym, uh, you know, just not work out at all and maybe take another day. And, um, you know, I just reminded myself that I tell my clients this all the time. The only way to get out of that funk is to take one small step. OK, and that one small step could be anything. Maybe just do that one workout. Maybe just make yourself that one green smoothie. Maybe just cook yourself a little light meal at home. Just that one thing. If you can pull yourself out and do that one thing, it just creates this amazing ripple effect. Okay, so that's the first thing. The other thing that works wonders for people is having an accountability partner. You know, having someone that holds you accountable that you either have to call or email or meet um for a workout or that you are sending a log to every single evening because then it's not only you you have someone else that is actually watching what you're doing every single day so those are my tips but honestly at the end of the day it is you really getting up and saying that you know what i'm going to take that one step i'm going to start again because if you sit in it the longer you do it the longer it's going to take for you to get up yeah no i love that I think too, the accountability is so important because that's like, it's almost like that is your sort of backup, like 
and you know that's one thing you can do with money um, mm-hmm. like just pay for something in advance because whether you like it or not now you've paid for that class you're going to show up right yeah uh, or it could be a person uh, again it has to be someone who has similar goals as you because that, that's the only way I've seen it work really well let's say there's two people who really have the same goal and they're holding each other accountable so I whatever works for you but yes someone or maybe a group uh, of people who uh, can hold each other accountable yeah I love that like a mastermind <laughs> like a mastermind yep like a mastermind or a group challenge there's so many you know out there mhm i think too it it brings in the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you to your goals you know and and being with someone who supports the goals that you have and choosing the friend circle and the people that are around you that are going to be supportive in what you want to do oh, and not absolutely. hold you back i mean that is that is so key what you just said right now consciously really surrounding yourself with people who not just support your goals but who actually are encouraging you and they also have the same kind of uh lifestyle as you you know because it's so hard if you're constantly going to be with a group of people who are making fun of you or who are putting you down for not showing up for their parties or for eating the food that they are eating it becomes really hard and i've had experiences with clients where it's not even outsiders but it's like their own family so they have a spouse or they have family members who are so not in alignment with their goal uh, and are constantly just putting them down and i strongly recommend that if you are in that situation if you have a spouse if you have a family member who is not supportive of what you are trying to achieve uh, in terms of your health and fitness goals you need to really have that conversation you mm-hmm. need to sit down with them and have that conversation and a lot of times they're not even aware that they're putting you down you know uh, so just being very clear about how it's upsetting you and how it is important for you to succeed uh, that they support you uh just yeah. really having that conversation yeah i think that can be tough having the so tough. having the so gum in especially if it's someone that like if it's your mom or your you know your brother that you're so close to many someone times. that's been yeah. like with you your whole life to be able to say hey like you're doing this and i don't like it and this is what i need yeah or the whole family has been eating a certain way right and you are now transitioning and you know that you know there's a better way and so you start making those changes but everyone else is still where they are at they're not at that mindset yet um so it's hard it it's not easy and be 100% prepared that you know there, there'll be disagreements and it might mm-hmm. not go that well but that's what you need to do you really need to either step away or have that conversation uh, because yeah. staying in that zone surrounded by people who are putting you down is it's it's definitely definitely going to hold you back for sure yeah i think it it's probably in, increasingly difficult just because if if it's not just them like not supporting you if it's you know if say your whole family has eaten a certain way and now you're changing how you're eating because maybe you want to lose weight or you want to be healthier in a way i feel like it probably makes them feel like you're saying what what you all are doing is wrong and so i am yes. going to change this yeah, you know yeah. and so it's 
I can imagine how hard it is, you know, for the family or for the people to not get defensive or to not feel like, oh, well, they're making this change and this is how we're eating. So they must, you know, feel like this isn't the right way or I don't know. Yeah. And, and I always say that get them off the hook, right? You you don't mm-hmm. have to start the conversation or you don't have to go in there saying that, hey, this is what I found out. This is really working for me. So guess what? From tomorrow, we are all, you know, going plant-based. <laughs> like instead of doing that, just being able to, um, you know, uh, acknowledge that they're not where you're at. Uh, and just being ready to accept them as where they're at and then saying that, hey, can you also accept me where I'm at is much, much easier than going in and saying that, OMG, like we, we're not eating this anymore. I found out all like, all this bad stuff about processed food. There's no, going to be no bread in the house from tomorrow. Like, I don't think that's going to go down as well as just being like, hey, can you support me? Because I would really you know, succeed and be so much more uh, happier in this process if you can just be there for me. And I'll tell you nine out of 10 times, this has happened to me so many times. Once uh, a person goes through their transformation, the spouse will join them. They mm-hmm. are so curious, especially men. They see their wives like, you know, they lose the weight and they're just so much happier and different mindset. And uh, they'll come to me and they'll be like, can you help me out too? yeah so you just lead by example as against trying to push anything on other people because Mm -hmm. you know there's so much cultural uh you know baggage right people are this is people are eating the way they ate from generations so to break that is it's not easy and just the fact that you have come to this point where you understand why it's important for your health to make those changes is good enough right so just lead by example Yeah. I like that. I feel like it, um, I don't know. It's like the, the easiest, sometimes the hardest, but the easiest thing that you can do for people you love is, you know, to do what's best for you and hope that, that they see that. Yeah. And once you change, and when I say change, honestly, like when you go through a lifestyle transformation, right, when you change the way you're eating, moving and thinking, you're not just physically different, right? You change as a person, your attitude changes, and you're literally like giving out so much positive energy, that it's hard for people to not see that. And they want that too. I don't think anyone wants to be unhealthy, uh, you know, and have like restless nights and be breathless when they're walking and get acid reflux all the time. I don't think anyone wants that. So when they see you going through that change and looking happier and healthier, they automatically become curious and they want to do the same for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think there's so much truth to that. Oh, okay. So it's 44 minutes. I like to keep this podcast to like 45 minutes or less um, just because I feel like it's really accessible for more people to dive in and listen. Um, I know we didn't get to anything about gut health, but I feel like we had such a good conversation about intuitive eating and especially transitioning when it comes to intuitive eating. Um, I did want to ask, is there anything else that you want to share with my listeners? Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we signed off? 
Uh, well, all these are uh, amazing topics. So thank you for talking about them. And yeah. I think that, you know, anybody who listens will benefit from this conversation. Um, I just also want to put it out there that if there's anyone listening to this who is struggling with fat loss or just going through uh, a space where they're not physically feeling their best, right? So that could be uh, changes in their sleep, energy levels, appetite, just not feeling 100% healthy and well. I am actually I'm, uh, going to be doing a 10-week challenge, which will start on January 27th. And it's going to be a group challenge, but I am also going to work one-on-one with um, each and every participant just to make sure that uh, they get to where they want to be uh, and also going to make recommendations in terms of what they need to do with their food and movement. So if anyone's feeling stuck and if you need a little support, um, if you're interested, you can go to my website. It is onwiththetwist.com and you can sign up for my 10-week challenge. I would love to help you, to support you, in your journey. I love that. Yes. Um, definitely go check that out guys and check out, um, check out her, not Facebook, Instagram page. I love all of the content that she puts out. I think that if you're looking for a resource when it comes to anything revolving with your health, um, Uma talks about so many different things and, I, I personally, ever since I started following her, drive so much value from what she puts out, from what you put out. Uh, Thank so, you. Yeah, absolutely. So go check that out and definitely bite on this 10-day challenge. I think that whenever you can get time from someone with a lot of knowledge who really just wants to give and help, uh, it's totally worth it. So. Yeah, I can give you the link to that so you can put it in the bio and they can definitely yeah, sign up. Cool. You heard that. So you can click the link below. Uh, you can also find her website, uh, her Instagram handle. And if you have any questions for her, you can reach out to her individually. You can also ask me and I will pass it on. But thank you, Uma, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was an awesome organic conversation. I loved every bit of it. Yeah, thank you. Me too. It's how I love to have them. Uh, and I think that you really, really brought a lot of value and that people are I think they're going to love it. So Uh, thank you. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. I will catch you next time on the Lean In Podcast.